Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.tv. Now let's hear a word from God today. Man, today's a great day. I know it's the end of winter break, and I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, it, this means that uh, spring is just around, and I hope it is. I hope that uh, Punxsutawney Field got it right this year. But regardless, I want to tell you, it has been an amazing week in the life of our church. And so this morning, as I welcome both of our campuses, I welcome Noonan and LaGrange together. I want to say welcome to both of you guys. I want to just take a minute and tell you why I love you as the church, okay? Last week, the opportunity to serve in 10 different locations in two different cities Uh, Yesterday, we had folks serving in the city of LaGrange. We had folks serving here in Noonan. We've had life groups out serving all week long. Uh, It has been an amazing, amazing week. And and I want to tell you that as just not even as a pastor, but as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, how humbling it is to hear people tell stories about, hey, I saw your people and they were out doing this. And I saw this person and they were out doing this. And, and I want to tell you that we are never better as the church than when we're going, right? Than when we're out serving. And, uh, and I want to tell you this, I don't think we're ever happier as the church than when we're going out and we're being the difference that God wanted us to be. So I want to tell you too, both of our campuses, this, this week on Thursday, we had the opportunity to walk to one of our local partners, Bridging the Gap. And as a church, because of your generosity during our Christmas offering, we were able to give them an additional check for $5,000 to just help meet the needs that exist in Bridging the Gap. And I just think we ought to celebrate that. That's huge. Um, Every week, there are ministries that we partner with, whether they're in LaGrange here in Noonan, and every one of you played a part in that. And so I'm just so thankful for you. And let me just say this, you guys look really good wearing these t-shirts. Like I have seen you all week long. I've seen you at the gym. I've seen you at the grocery store. I mean, some of you are standing in the line at Walmart and you're overcoming the line at Walmart because you're wearing your I love my church shirt. And so I just want to tell you, it's exciting. So in this series, we've been talking about how we are the church, right? And the church is a pretty big deal. Jesus said the church is a pretty big deal. And some of you, one of the things that you've noticed over the last two weeks is you've said, hey, pastor, I noticed that we've talked a lot about the church, but it hasn't just been about Southcrest. That's right. Because the church is bigger than the name of Southcrest. There's the, the big C church, right? We're a part of the movement of God. We're not the monument of God. We're the movement of God that God wants to bring into this world to bring change to this world. And, and we said this in week one, and I, I just want to remind us of this. One of the reasons we ought to love the church is because the church is about life change. It's a place where we can see people's lives changed by Jesus every single week. It's not about sometimes our preferences. It's not about the way we would want things to be all the time. It's about seeing people meet Jesus and let Jesus change their life. And we also said it's special because it's the hope of the world, right? We're the ones that get to tell the world about the resurrection, that Jesus is alive, that he came out of the grave. And uh, that's a huge deal for us to give that type of hope to the world. And then last week, we talked about how we are to go out and we're not to be criticizers of the gap. We are to be the menders of the gap. We are the repairers of the breach. 
And we talked out of Isaiah 58 about the spiritual promise that when we follow God with all of our heart, that we will be the church that will go out and we will make the difference in people's lives. Well, today I want to twist it back one different direction. I want to talk about the church in you for just a moment. The church in you. Now, we all know because we talked about last week that the church, we're not to be consumers, that God's called us to be contributors. But today when I share this message with you, this final message of the I Love My Church series, it's going to feel very intensely personal because it is. And some of what I'm going to share with you today may feel very unpolished, Because it is, because it comes from some of my own journey of following Jesus and being in the church. Now, I want to tell you about a really cool experience I had a few weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, I celebrated a birthday. And uh, for my birthday, my son and my wife said, hey, we want to do something special for you. Maybe we haven't done before. We want to take you to a place you've never been before. And we know that you've always wanted to go to this place. And so we want to take you to this place to have an experience maybe you've never had before. How many of you guys have ever seen this place before? Fogo de Chao. Yeah, you can't. Now, if you're from Georgia, some of you say chow. Fogo de Chao. Okay. It's not chow. It's chow. Okay. Say it with me. Okay, some of you need Brazilian. Okay, Fogo de Chao. And when you go in, um, it, is a, it is a Brazilian steakhouse. Like, it's funny. Like, when I just brought that photo up, some of you went from no smile to like, you are in a charismatic frenzy right now, okay? And so they said, hey, we want to take you to this place and, and we want you to experience uh, a Brazilian steakhouse. And, and I said, oh, this is awesome. And in fact, my wife and my son said, in fact, we're calling your birthday Meat Fest. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this is awesome. So I didn't quite understand until I walked in and I saw this. And this is what was awaiting for me. And they did one of the cruelest things they've ever done to you because when you walk into Fogo de Chao, they bring you a plate and they said, here, we want you to go eat salad before you eat this. And they have this amazing spread of this salad bar and they have this ama- all these amazing side dishes and everything else. And you fill up your plate and then you show up at the table and the waiter comes up and he explains to you how this works. He basically says this. He says, on your table, there's a card. And every time you flip this card, it's going to tell us whether or not you want more meat or no meat. Green means go. Red means... <laughs> Some of you go, no, it never means stop, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. So, so here's the thing, okay? So they tell you, they say, here's the card, and if this is down on the green side, then we will keep feeding you meat until literally, and this is no lie, you will have meat sweats. <laughs> now, some of you go, oh my gosh, we just talked about meat sweats in church. We sure did, okay? When you consume so much meat at one time that your body can't handle it, you start to sweat profusely. Because your mind and your heart want more, but your body's saying, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, okay? And so what you do is you turn this over. And I just want to say, one of the most difficult parts of eating at a place like this is when you want to keep it on green, but you know you got to turn it over to red. Or someone at your table turns it over to red and they pass you with the stick of meat that you really wanted. No, 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 no. And I started thinking about this. I thought, wow, sometimes in the church, 
And even sometimes in our own spiritual walk with Christ, this is our journey. Have you ever thought about how all the things that God wants to bring into our life, that many times, even in the church, we know God wants to bring it and we should be leaving the card on green, but we flip the card on red. In fact, I thought about it this way. How many cuts of meat did I miss that night because I ate so much salad that I had to flip it over on red and I couldn't take any more? And I thought about that in relationship to my own spiritual life and in, in my relationship to the church. Because a lot of times when it comes to the church and our own walk with Christ, many times God wants us to keep it on the green, but we flip it over and we say, nope, let me, let me explain it this way to you. Hey, I want you to step out and start serving other people in the community. Oh, Jesus, I like that. That's good, man. That makes me feel good. So I'm going to go serve someone in the community. In fact, I want you to do more than that. I want you to, to do more than just serve in the community. I want you to invite someone in the community to come to church with you. Wait a minute, Jesus. That's difficult for me, right? Like, that's what we do a lot in our spiritual life. And we do it in our relationship to the church many times. There are times that we ought to keep it full on green. And many times we flip the card and we give God the red card and say, no, God. No, I don't want that. You see, I've done that many times in my life. There have been times in my life as a believer that I wanted everything that Jesus could give me that benefited me. But when it got difficult, I tried to flip the card and I tried to say, no, Jesus, I don't want that part. I just want the green side. <laughs> I don't want the red side. I remember as a young believer growing up in the church, I couldn't understand why certain people would come into the church and they would stay six months or nine months and they would leave. Like I would have friends who would say, hey, I've given my life to Jesus and they would start attending the youth group or they would start attending a church and they would be there for a while and then suddenly they were not there anymore. And I thought that's kind of like that card. Like what point in our life do we flip the card from green to God and say, God, no more. I don't want any more. I remember going to, as a young believer, going to this camp and this older, wiser college student, his name was Sean Emerson. He pulled me aside and he set me down and he said, Sean, his name is Sean. He looked at me, he said, Sean, there will come a day where you won't want to follow Jesus as readily as you do today. And when that day comes, you got to remember it's not about your feelings. Because right now, man, you're like on this course and you're like serving Jesus and you want to love Jesus with your whole heart. But there's going to come a time when the feelings are going to be gone. And you're going to have to answer this question. Am I still going to follow Jesus? So why is it that we flip the card? Why is it sometimes with the church we flip the card, right? We want to have amazing worship on Sunday morning. We want to have amazing activities for our kids. But God says, hey, I want you to give over and above 10% because I want you to change the world. And we go, whoa, wait a minute, God. Why do we do that sometimes? Why do we do that in our life? And how does it end up changing our relationship, not only to the church, but our, to our relationship 
with Jesus. I want to make a statement to you today. Jesus wants more for you than to just find the church. Jesus wants you to follow him. Let me explain this statement. Jesus wants more for you than to just find the church. See, I've been going to church now uh, about 27, 28 years. I didn't grow up in church, but from the time I was 17 years old and I gave my life to Christ and became a Christ follower, the church was just a part of my life. I woke myself up early as a junior in high school, as a senior in high school. I got myself dressed. I went to church. Why? Because I wanted to follow Jesus. But over the years, here's what I've realized in people in their relationship to the church. Sometimes people come to the church to find themselves. You ever thought about that? That's not all bad because the church ought to be where we find out who we are. But if it stops there, our relationship with the church may forever be strained. Or we may come to a point where the church no longer acts in a way or thinks in a way we think because if we're not careful, it's about us, and then suddenly it's over. You know, I thought about this. In America, it's, it's quite easy to find a church, especially in the South, right? I mean, you only have to drive about two blocks, You only have to look on every street corner to find a church. Proximity or amounts of churches is not the lacking factor in the South. So if it's true that a lot of people find the church and it's quite easy to find the church, then why is it that many people never move from being a finder of Jesus to a follower of Jesus? God wants more for you than just find the church. He wants you to follow him. And today we're going to talk about that today. Mark Batterson in his book, All In, he made this statement because sometimes we think that we're following Jesus. Listen to what he says. He says, most people in the church think they're following Jesus, but the reality is they've invited Jesus to follow them. They call him Savior, but they've never surrendered to him as Lord. Now, I want to be real honest. There have been times in my life I have asked Jesus to follow me. I am really trying to get through this semester, God, and I am in college, and I'm trying to get through all the the difficult times of, of being a college student. And so I pray and I say, Jesus, I want you to follow me right out of college algebra. There are times in my life when I struggle in a relationship, and I say, God, I really need you to follow me through this one. But Mark made a very profound statement. If we never move from asking Jesus to follow us into a place of following Jesus, then at some point our relationship with the church will run out. In fact, I want to tell you that today, what I'm sharing with you today is so profound, I really don't think the enemy ever wants you to hear this message. I wrote it this way. At some point in our relationship with the church, we must become more than a fan or an admirer of Jesus, and we have to become a follower of Jesus. You see, I care enough about you to tell you that because if not, you will eventually leave the church. And somewhere along the line, you will blame the church and say, well, the church did this to me and the church left me here. And and I want to tell you that Jesus wants so much more for you. In fact, the scripture we're going to look at today, you're going to understand how powerful this moment was in the life of Jesus. 
If you have your Bible, turn to the book of John chapter 6. Gospel of John chapter 6. The background of the story is this. Jesus goes out to feed the 5,000 people. The the feeding of the 5,000 is one of the only miracles in Scripture that's recorded in all four Gospels. But when Jesus goes out to feed these people, something happens in the people. They see this miracle that Jesus is performing for them, and suddenly they go from thinking Jesus is just cool and all right and fun to, hey man, we want to make Jesus king. Like, we want Jesus to be the king. Like, he, we want him to be our king. And so, as Jesus is performing this miracle in the early port of John chapter 6, these 5,000 people are being fed. They, they, they literally say, hey, this is going to be our king. The frenzy, the, the buildup. And Jesus notices what's going on, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, i got to get these guys out of here. Because if they stick around here too long, they'll begin to believe what the crowds believe, that I'm going to be an earthly king. And I didn't come here to be an earthly king. And so he tells his disciples, he says, I want you to get in a boat and I want you to cross the Sea of Galilee and I want you to go to Capernaum. Now I want to show you a picture of Capernaum real quick. Capernaum was a city on the north side of Galilee. It was a Amazing city because most of Jesus' earthly ministry took place in this one town, in this one village, or in the north side of Galilee. He performed many, many miracles here. People saw his deity. They saw who he was. They saw who Jesus wanted the world to show, you know, who he was to the world. And, And this was the place. Capernaum was the place where Jesus revealed himself probably as much as any other place in his earthly ministry. But he told his disciples, he says, I want you to get in a boat and I want you to go to the other side because he didn't want them to get caught up in all the frenzy. And as it says in John chapter six, as they were crossing over in the middle of the night, Jesus came walking to them on water. And they were so amazed because there again, it was one of those moments where John shows us the deity of Jesus and Jesus is coming to them and, and, and they're like, oh my gosh, there's Jesus. And all of a sudden the Bible says that they saw Jesus, he was coming to the boat and then suddenly they were at the shore. And as they made their way to the shore, as they made their way to Capernaum, suddenly the next morning, everyone found out that Jesus had left where he was and had gone to the other side. So what did they do? They came following him. They came looking for him. They came looking for Jesus because they wanted something from Jesus. I want you to look at verse 25 of John 6. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So in other words, they were like, Jesus, we've been looking for you. We've been seeking you out. They knew what they wanted. They wanted an earthly king. And look what it says in verse 26. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Listen to what Jesus said to them. You're only following me because I fed you. They saw the miracles of Jesus, but had never been moved by Jesus. It went a little bit further. They were moved because their stomachs were full, but their hearts hadn't changed. They had seen the miracles, but they had missed the message. 
And when I read this, it reminded me of something that I've dealt with in my own spiritual life and you will deal with and we will all deal with within the church. And it's a very practical thought about following Jesus. You ready? Here it is. It's easy to follow Jesus when he's feeding you lunch. Right? I mean, how many of you would admit at at LaGrange and at Noonan, it is easy to follow Jesus when all your needs are being met? Raise your hand. Just be honest. I, I got two hands up. Right? I got money in the bank. My kids are doing well. I'm healthy. It's easy to follow Jesus then. Jesus looked at them and he said, listen, you followed me because I filled your stomach. But Jesus wanted more for them. He wanted to help them overcome their true unbelief. Because if you only follow me when I feed you, then eventually you will leave me. And Jesus loved them too much for that. So Jesus made one of the most defining statements he ever made in his earthly ministry. Look what he says to them in verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Remember what I said? It's easy to follow Jesus when he's feeding you lunch. In this moment, Jesus made a statement to them that was so profound to them as Jewish people. We don't understand it because in our day and age, bread is everywhere, right? But in their day and age, they lived in the desert for 40 years with manna that came down from heaven. And the only reason that their ancestors existed is because every day God brought manna from heaven. These little bread cakes from heaven. And what Jesus said in this moment profoundly changed why he wanted people to follow him. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus made this statement. He was calling out the fact that they had trusted in all these other things as Jewish people all their lives and he came back to one core thought. Jesus came to bring us bread, not throw us a bone. Now that's tough because here's why. In our society... And even in the church, sometimes we want someone to throw us a bone, right? Man, I'm going on Sunday morning because I want my spiritual pep talk. (laughs) I want someone to rah-rah me into excitement for God. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. Jesus said, oh, no, 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 I I came for so much more than that. Jesus came to bring us bread. He came to bring us life. He came to bring us fulfillment. The world wants to throw us a bone. Jesus said, I didn't come to throw you a bone. I came to bring you bread. Jesus was making a statement here to them as Jews, and here's what he was saying. I am enough for you. I am enough for you. You know, in the church, that's a very scary thing because a lot of times, even in the church, we depend on so many other things to think it's enough for people. But when Jesus said these words, I am enough for you. I'm the bread of life. I'm the one thing that can fill you. I'm the one thing that can sustain you. What he was saying is this, I want so much more for you than to meet your felt needs. 
I want to meet your real needs. I want to show you who I am. I want to make clear that you understand I am the son of God, that I am the one who can satisfy your soul. So can you imagine what the people did when they heard this, all of these Jews? Bible tells us in verse 41, they went into a bit of a chaos. Wait a minute. He's the one that's gonna satisfy us? Like, there's only one thing that can satisfy me, it's Jesus. It's not gonna come through all these other religious practices and, and it's, it's not gonna come. He said, hey, wait a minute, this is it. This is what will satisfy you. In fact, the Bible says in verse 41, they begin to grumble about him. Murmuring, right? So Jesus says in verse 53, look what he says. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. I think this was one of the most unpopular things Jesus ever spoke. Because here's what Jesus was saying. It's not enough to just accept me one time. You've got to continually trust me that I am enough for you. In fact, I think this is probably the moment when he spoke these words. People probably looked at him and said, I think Jesus was out in the sun a little bit too long. Because then in verse 58, he says this, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and they died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So here's Jesus, he's on the other side, the frenzy of the feeding. They know that they're trying to find him out. They go find him and suddenly Jesus says, hey, listen, I don't wanna give you what your forefathers had. I got something better. I'm gonna come give my life for you. I am the bread of life. And if you take from me, you will always be satisfied. And he begins to break it down for them. And he wanted us to understand this. Following Jesus is a continual journey, not a one-time experience. He says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood over and over. And he's giving them a metaphor, right? He's not talking like, hey, I want to split myself open. But what he's saying is you can't just take all the traditions of the past. You've got to take me for who I am. It's a continual journey. It's never just a one-time experience. But I want you to see the reaction. Look at verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? If you look at that word hard in, in, the, in the original language, it means like Jesus took sandpaper and just sanded it and said, this is, this is who I am and this is how you have to receive me. He said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? So I got to tell you this. When I was growing up, we had uh, this one homeroom mom. You guys remember homeroom moms? Yeah. Had this one homeroom mom that every time her son was in your class, we always wanted this kid in your class because the mom always showed up with cupcakes. Y'all remember that homeroom mom? 
Yeah, there would be homeroom moms that would show up with like healthy snacks and you hated them. But there would always be one homeroom mom, she would show up and she would have cupcakes. And you wanted that kid in your class because you knew that when it was treat day, she was gonna bring cupcakes. And I started thinking about this. That's how we are many times in, in our Christian life. We want Jesus sometimes to show up with a cupcake. But what happens when Jesus shows up with a steak? Does it offend you? Or does it make you want to follow him? The Bible says Jesus looked at them and he said, does this offend you? See, here's the truth we got to understand if we're going to follow Jesus with our life. The truth of Jesus, the truth that Jesus brings will eventually offend us. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about him. And one day there will be a point that there will be a hard teaching or there will be a place that we don't understand about Jesus and we'll go, Jesus, could you just bring us some cupcakes? And Jesus says, no. In fact, I wrote it down this way. Isn't it amazing that Jesus loves us enough that he's willing to let us hang in the tension of the truth and say, this is who I am, this is who I came to be, and I am the one thing that can satisfy your soul. And even if you turn and walk from me, I am not changing who I am. I am the son of God, and I love you, and I wanna give you life, but I'm not changing who I am. In fact, when I see those moments in Jesus's life, it makes me love him more. But here's what the crowd was saying. They were saying, forget it, Jesus. (laughs) We like the teaching. We like the miracles. We like the crowds. We like the opportunity. We like the idea of heaven and happiness. And and we like all this stuff. But we don't want to have anything to do with your blood and your flesh. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus loved them enough. He left them hanging in the tension of that truth. And here's why I want you to hear this message today. Look at verse 66. This is what happened. From this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They heard what Jesus said and they walked away. I've been in ministry for 27 years. I've worked with thousands of teenagers and now thousands with thousands of adults. And I want to tell you that the deepest pain of a pastor is to watch people walk away from God. I've seen people blame the church for why they don't ever go back. I've seen people blame God for why they have cancer. I've seen people blame God for why there was a car accident in their house and they say, I'll never trust God again. And I want to tell you that the pain of watching someone walk away from Jesus for me is more painful than bearing someone's physical body. And I have to believe at this moment, God gave us this peek into scripture because he wanted to say something to us that we need to understand about him and his church. So I'm just going to lay it out there today. When we walk away from the church, we're walking away from Jesus.
Jesus is the church. Yeah, I understand the church may have hurt you in your life. I understand that the people in the church may have disappointed you once in your life. But the church is not about those people, it's about Jesus. And the Bible says in this moment when things got difficult and it was no longer about Jesus just feeding them lunch, but Jesus wanted to fill their soul, the Bible says there were a group of people that walked away. Can you imagine the discussion the next day on Facebook? Hey, Jesus started talking cray-cray about drinking blood and eating flesh. So I'm going to go to another church. <laughs> hey, Jesus started getting crazy about it's, we're either totally for him or we're not really with him. <laughs> and so suddenly it's no longer fun. And so I want to find somewhere where it's fun because I really want cupcake Jesus. Can you imagine that Jesus... taught us something in this moment that we've got to get. This is the whole message today. We must decide to follow Jesus when so that you will continue to follow Jesus then. What are the wins? When my marriage is struggling, when my faith is weak, when my finances are bad, when I'm confused, when I don't understand how God's working, when I'm blessed financially, because I know a lot of people, when God blesses them financially, they walk away from God. It's really weird. It's like, I don't need God anymore. I've got finances. When other people choose to walk away, when he doesn't do what I want him to do, we must decide to follow Jesus when because the winds are going to come, right? The winds are going to come. The winds will be there in our life. There's going to be moments when this is going to happen. And we must decide to follow Jesus when so that we will continue to follow Jesus then. Two questions we've got to answer in our Christian life. What will make you stay? And the second one, what will cause you to walk away? 27 years of ministry, I've seen some of the most amazing things in the church and I've seen some of the most hurtful things in the church. I've asked myself the question, why did I stay? Because somewhere God reminded me it wasn't about all the other stuff. It was about one thing. It was about following him. So I want to show you what happened in this moment. Jesus looks at his disciples and he asks this question. You don't want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Look what he says. This is Peter, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Go to that picture, if you would, here in the synagogue of Capernaum. This is in the center of the synagogue where Jesus would have stood and would have looked at his disciples and would have said these words. When everyone else was walking away, he looked at those who claimed to follow him closest, his disciples, and here's what he said. Do you want to leave too? 
And they looked back at him and they said, Jesus, I don't have anywhere else to go. You are the one that holds the words of eternal life. I want us to pray together today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from South Crest Church. You can connect with us on our app today. There you can watch, listen, or even give to this ministry. If you have any questions or want to share your story with us, you can send us an email at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.